Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan, bearer of the One Ring Sacks. Wow. Ethan, are you a Lord of the Rings fan? I don't know this about you. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're asking me because I want to know this about you. I would not call myself currently a Lord of the Rings fan, but certainly in high school I was. My mom was actually a pretty big nerd. And so when like the movies were coming out and, you know, it was like trailers and I was getting hyped about them, she was like, you have to read the books before you see the movie. <laughs> Good for your mom. So I read, so like the summer before each of the movies came out, I read all the books and I saw the movies a lot. Saw them multiple times in theaters, owned the extended edition on DVD, rewatched them a lot. And then I watched them again during COVID. And I was like, this is sort of like the gone with the wind of our era. I feel like like the movies are just ridiculously long. They have like no sense of humor, but they're, you know, they're, it's a, it's a, time, it's a time capsule. Tons of humor. What jokes? Like Elevensies? Does that really do it for you? <laughs> <laughs> second breakfast second breakfast i'm looking forward to telling twitch chat that i'm gonna be dead to second breakfast <laughs> nice yeah so okay so tell me what's your uh what's your relationship to lord of the rings well first of all i'm relieved that you have read the books and seen the movies because i was a little worried you know magic's like your only game you're right think, right right cooler than me of the two of us <laughs> But yeah, I've read the books. I've watched the movies. I don't know. I'm not obsessed with it or anything, but I definitely enjoy some Lord of the Rings. And like cards have just been cool. Like I keep seeing cards and I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, I get it. Oh, yeah. Like it's it's cool. I'm looking forward to uh, casting some Frodo's and some Bilbo Bagginses. Yeah, that's definitely been my experience as well. Like I think this is, you know, as the summer sets are, whether they're going to be, you know, dressed up in Dungeons and Dragons gear or Lord of the Rings gear, they are, you know, effectively as us older players refer to them, they're corsets but i'm i'm having a hard time seeing through to the corset nature of it because i am getting lost a little bit in the flavor of the set i'm like oh yeah that does make sense oh that's cool oh that character so yeah i uh i'm excited it's not it's not going to be march to the machine levels of good you know but i think i think we're gonna have a good time i'm excited to talk about this ring tempting you ring bearer stuff yeah for sure well and there are some spicy cards as well i don't think this is going to be just corset there are some cards i'm jazzed about already yeah, no, I, I am for sure as well. I'm, I'm very excited to see a mass returning. Hard to not feel nostalgic for War of the Spark, but we're blowing it a little bit. We're jumping the gun. So what we're going to do this week, we're going to talk about the previews. We got, uh, we're recording here on Sunday night, so I'm sure we'll we'll already have some outdated stuff as previews roll in on Monday, but we'll get this episode out to you as quickly as we can. Um, we'll be talking about as many commons and uncommons that have been spoiled so far. Um, the set's going to drop next week the full spoiler drops we'll have the crash course next week and then we'll be doing some pre-releases and all that good stuff excited to get our hands on a new set for the summer um, before we get into all that good stuff let's talk about some housekeeping things first things first is the patreon page patreon.com slash lords of limited wow i almost said slash lord of the rings <laughs> That's not that's not great. Patreon. I bet, would, I bet we would get some more support if our Patreon was Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Patreon this would be booming. Yeah, patreon.com slash Lord of the Rings will redirect you to patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where you can go to get back to the show if you so choose. The show is, of course, always going to be free, but we got some perks over at the Patreon page, including access to our incredible Discord, which is just a wonderful community of like-minded limited individuals uh, looking for feedback on their deck techs, their drafts, their sick brags, all that good stuff stuff. Uh, the Discord is hopping and popping. It's the place to be. You can get access to our show notes, get access to the episode early and ad free and even get access to 
monthly coaching sessions with me or Ben, depending on how high up the reward tier rankings you want to go. And of course, each week we want to shout out our new patrons the first week that they join. So this week we're welcoming Chip, Alexander, Blaze, Mark, and Maximilian. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, I cannot say thank you enough. Show is also brought to you by Cool Stuff Inc., coolstuffinc.com, where they've got cool stuff in stock. And that cool stuff this week is Lord of the Rings Tales of Middle Earth pre-orders. I just went on the website, took a little look around. You can order yourself a draft booster box. You can order set boosters. So whatever you are jonesing for from Lord of the Rings Tales of Middle Earth, get it pre-ordered now at coolstuffinc.com. And please make sure you use checkout code LOL, all caps, to get 5% off your order or anything else you want to get in the store besides Magic the Gathering cards. But please, if you're ordering from Cool Stuff Inc., use that checkout code LOL and make sure that you let them know that we sent you there. All right, we got some mechanics to chat about first to give us a little bit of perspective, a little bit of context for the cards that we're going to dive into. And then we're just going to chat about as many cards as we can get our hands on here on this fine Sunday evening. First things first, I think the first time I've ever seen this in our show notes, we've got a mechanic with associated screenshots. We've got images pulled from the internet to let us know what's going on with the ring, the ring tempts you, and the ring bearer. Ben, I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. Yeah, I think the reminder text on the cards pretty much says it all. So you're going to get this card in packs, and you'll be able to have it on the battlefield to help remind you what's going on with the ring tempting you. But basically, there's four things. It's kind of like dungeons from AFR, except much more clear cut because there's not options. But so when the ring tempts you, you're going to get this emblem named the ring, which is going to show you what the ring does. And then your emblem is going to gain its next ability. And you're going to choose a creature you control to become your ring bearer. So this is going to be hard to explain without going going down a few rabbit holes. So (laughs) the card, the ring, has four things. And I'll just read them here. So first is your ring bearer is legendary and can't be blocked by creatures with greater power. That's step one. So the first time the ring tempts you, you're there. And the second time the ring tempts you, you gain the ability whenever your ring bearer attacks, draw a card, then discard a card. The third time it gains whenever your ring bearer becomes blocked by a creature, that creature's controller sacrifices it at the end of combat. And the fourth time it gains whenever your ring bearer deals combat damage to a player, each opponent loses three life. So those abilities are going to stack and you gain a new ability each time the ring tempts you for whoever your ring bearer is. And once you reach that fourth tier, that's it. Nothing happens the further times the ring tempts you in the game. You just still have those four abilities for your ring bearer, and that's it. Well, you'll be able to choose a new ring bearer. That, that is relevant. You can so, reassign. Yeah. So there's okay. a couple things. So the ring can tempt you even if you don't control a creature, so that like the next time you do have a creature, your creature will be more buffed up when they when they become your ring bearer. And the ring gains its abilities in order from top to bottom. And once it gains an ability, it has that ability for the rest of the game. So there's that stacking. And then each time the ring tempts you, you have to choose a creature if you control one. So there's no opting out and being like, eh, Frodo doesn't really want to carry the ring today. Like if you've got Frodo on the battlefield, he's carrying the ring. And then lastly, each player can only have one emblem named the ring and only one ring bearer at a time. So maybe you've got two creatures and one's currently a ring bearer and the ring tempts you a second time you could switch it over to that other creature if you so choose. So every time the ring tempts you, you get to pick a creature on the battlefield to be your ring bearer. And there would be no reason that you wouldn't want, like I'm just trying to think about why you wouldn't want to have someone be your ring bearer, why there's like that must thing. Is it just the legendary rule? Like if you had two creatures that weren't legendary, but then you have to make one a ring bearer, you lose the other one. Is that true? I don't know. You know the rules better than I do. I'm going to assume that that's true. I don't. That seems like a pretty 
pretty big corner case, especially because so many creatures, I mean, I guess they're mostly at the uncommon or rare level, but most uncommon and rare creatures are legendary in this format. So I think it's mostly going to be the commons where that's going to come up. But yeah, other than that, it just seems like this is all pure upside, right? Yeah, that's the one flavor thing that seems off to me because I I read all the cards before I read what the ring did. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, the ring tempts you. Oh, the ring tempts you. Like, I wonder what level of upside this is. And then I got to the ring and I was like, oh, it's all upside. That's really odd. That's like the one flavor thing that feels off to me about everything from the set so far. I agree, right? Because it's like, it's great power, but it also corrupts you. It also like destroys you. That's the whole thing. That's the shtick. But apparently Wizards decided the ring is great. Yeah, Wizards decided the ring is great. So that's like the big new mechanic. And it's hard to remember. So like the the four tiers, just to remind you, because we won't want to go back and chat about them again and again and again each time we get to, you know, the cards that say the ring tempts you. But so first up is ring bearer is legendary. More importantly, can't be blocked by creatures with greater power. Um, so a lot of the ring tempts you is going to be on one power creatures. That's going to largely make them unblockable or pseudo unblockable. Next makes them a looter, right? When they attack, draw a card, then discard a card. The next one is when it becomes blocked by a creature, that creature's controller sacrifices it at end of combat. Now, I think it's important to note here, because I saw you say this a little later in the show notes about potential blowouts. And I was wondering if you were referring to this, because I think this has to exist. I don't think you can do a thing where... A creature is blocking your creature. Instant speed, you tempt from step two to step three, and then you get to kill their creature. I think this has to exist before the creature blocks, right? Yeah, no, I agree. Yes. Okay, cool. And then, so that's that's the third step. And then the fourth step is if it deals damage to a player, each opponent loses three life. That is definitely potential for uh, for some blowouts, for some ways to close games. I think if your life total is precariously low and your opponent is on that third step, you're going to have to think real hard about letting the ring bearer hit you. Well, and worth noting, they're all aggressive and all yeah. on attacks as well, right? Yeah, that's the thing that like makes me, because there's lots of sweet stuff. I mean, obviously, I'm obsessed with food tokens, um, as we'll get to <laughs> it in a little bit. Um, but... Uh, but I'm a little nervous about this headliner mechanic being so slanted aggressively that, you know, is that just going to mean that this is a super fast format and super snowball-y? Obviously, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. So the next new mechanic we've got, which is kind of a returning mechanic. Yeah. It is Amass Orcs X. So if you've played with Amass before from War of the Spark, um, you'll remember this. And if not, this is how it works. So you'll get a card that says Amass Orcs 2, for example. And that would mean you would put two plus one plus one counters on an army you control. And if you don't control an army, you create a zero zero black army creature token first. So if you have no armies, the first time you amass two, you'll get a two two orc army creature token. And then future amasses, if that happens, will add plus one plus one counters to that army to make it large. So for example, here we've got a card, Gothmog, Morgul Lieutenant, three and a black for a three three legendary creature, human soldier at uncommon. When it enters the battlefield, you amass orcs one and creature tokens you control have death touch. So if you don't have an army, you'll make a zero zero, put a counter on it. So it's effectively a three three that brings along a one one. If you already have an army, you'll just add a one one counter to that army. It's interesting, like you often wanted, you know, when we played with this in War of the Spark, I feel like you often wanted the more amass you had, the more you wanted some sort of sacrifice outlet, because obviously making a body is better than adding a counter, right? A new creature is better than an aura attached to a creature. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So just want to be on the lookout for that. I didn't see anything yet at Common or Uncommon that's been spoiled, but I have to imagine that we will eventually see that. So we, we do have some returning mechanics as well. Already shouted this out. Food tokens are back. Rectangle theory is alive and well. I know everybody's excited to hear me say that word some more. <laughs> a food token is an artifact token with the ability to and tap. Sacrifice this artifact. You gain three life. So, for example, we've got Bill the Pony here. Three and a white for a 1-4 legendary creature horse. When Bill the Pony enters the battlefield, create two food tokens and has the ability to sacrifice a food until end of turn. Target creature you control assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. I love everything about this card. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> I mean, do you not, though? This card I, is great. No, I do. This card's really cool. It's very flexible. Like four mana, one four with gain six. Or it can be a four mana four four twice, or maybe there's some other like high toughness stuff. I haven't really even peaked for that kind of thing, Um, but you can better believe I will be. So yeah, I I like this card quite a bit, and I'm excited to see the return of food. And it seems to be in a different space, as we'll get to with some cards later, than it was in Throne of Eldraine. You know, it just seemed pretty clearly like and there was some like the amount of food tokens you have or checked if you had a food token or not but this seems to be a little bit more uh i don't know just exploring food tokens in a different way yeah almost more like the modern horizons tokens right you're just trying to vomit out like (laughs) a critical mass of food tokens right yeah yeah and pop off so next returning mechanic we've got is land cycling Um, This is pretty intuitive. So you pay the listed cost and discard the card that has land cycling to search your library for a card with the appropriate basic land type, reveal it, put it into your hand, and then shuffle. So it should should be intuitive, consider if for anyone who just played March of the Machine, right? Because we had five cards with land cycling there. Oh, brilliant. So if you're (laughs) new to magic, here's what land cycling does. Uh, What's our example card here? We've got Oliphant. Five and a red for a six, four trample. When it attacks another target creature you control, gets plus two, plus oh, and gains trample until end of turn. And it has mountain cycling. But there's the twist, Ben, is it's mountain cycling one, not two. So clearly Lord of the Rings is going to be more powerful than March of the Machine, right? Power creep? Power creep? I mean, so this is clearly better, but also, <laughs> but also I don't know if... The difference between one or two mana was what sort of hindered a lot of the land cyclers in March. I mean, context is everything, but I also I don't think that the mana requirement there was necessarily what was holding those cards back. Sure, it was the the March of the Machine power level was through the roof and they just right. were not powerful enough. So these are, I think, better magic cards and what will ostensibly be a lower powered set. So I've got high hopes for the uh, the old land cyclers. Sweet. Uh, next, we have Sagas are back. Each saga enters the battlefield with a lore counter on it, causing the first ability, the chapter one ability, to trigger. As your first main phase begins, you add another lore counter, and the next chapter ability triggers until the last chapter ability triggers and is finished. Once that happens, you sacrifice the saga. And these are sagas are enchantments. That's the that's the card type they are. So example here, we've got long list of the ends, green for an saga, and chapters one, two, three, four, five, and six are all the same, which is not typical. For Never sagas. seen a six chapter saga before. This is the weirdest looking saga. Yeah. It says, note a creature type that hasn't been noted for long list of the ends. When you cast your next creature spell of that type this turn, that creature enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it. I mean, this card seems... terrible right it's like an i don't think so right it's like an anthem for your team 
if you've got a bunch of different creature types, right? You play this on one, choose whatever creature type you're going to play on turn two. It comes in with a plus one, plus one counter. Choose whatever creature type you're going to play on turn three. It comes in with a plus one, plus one counter. This says for the first seven turns of the game after you play this, that your creatures come in with an additional plus one, plus one counter. Only if they all have different creature types. That's easy. You've never played a zoo deck before? That's easy. You've never played a zoo deck before has been announced. (laughs) I cannot wait for you to never cast this card in limited. I'm excited for that to happen. I've got high hopes for this. No, (laughs) I can can see it. Don't say no if if you're describing your opinion. (laughs) Um, Next up, we've got Historic. What's going on there? Historic is a returning mechanic. This is more of a... uh, keyword than it is a mechanic, but it's a term that refers to artifacts, sagas, and anything with a legendary super type, which are all in the set. And it looks like there's quite a bit of legendary creatures. And I feel like maybe I haven't seen historic at the common or uncommon level yet, but I've definitely seen legendary matters at the common or uncommon level. Yeah, but I haven't seen the word historic anywhere yet. Right. But this was in the article. So like, it must be there somewhere, right? (laughs) That's what I think. I agree. Yeah. Maybe that's what, because we're still, there's some color pairs that were unclear about what they're doing. Maybe it's going to be black-white, right? Because we haven't seen that yet. That's what I think, yeah. Yeah. I actually just saw that you wrote that, but I had just thought that uh, in real time here. (laughs) Uh, The last returning mechanic we have is stun counters. If a tapped creature with one or more stun counters on it would untap, instead it stays tap and one stun counter is removed from it. So this is sort of the, the answer to the old templating of tap a thing, keep it tapped, or... You know, you can tap a thing, keep it tapped for multiple turns, um, and then even untapping it only removes stun counters, doesn't actually get around it staying tapped. And that's it, right? That's it. That's all the mechanics. All right. Well, let's take a quick ad break and then be back with some individual cards. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. June is here, Ben, which means it's finally summer, the perfect time to invest in yourself. You don't have to tell me. As a teacher, summer break is something I hold very dear, and I plan on doing a lot for myself, which means a lot of magic, traveling to see friends, golfing, and I've even started exercising again. Boom. Awesome. And I am working on my mental health, investing in getting some additional resources on deck to help out with Jonah so that daddy daycare is not a solo operation. If you're interested in making a change in your life, big or small, the season changing can almost feel like a reset to give yourself a fresh start. Therapy is a great option for helping you troubleshoot the blocks in your life and how to move past them. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lords today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Lords. And now back to the show. All right, so as we uh, usually like to do, we'll start with as many of the signpost uncommons that have been spoiled so far to give us like a, a sense of maybe what some color pairs are trying to do. Sometimes we only get one multicolor card in these slots. It looks like we're getting two in this format, right? That's what it seems, yeah. Okay, so what's going on with blue-white? Blue-white seems to be drawing your second card each turn. Hmm. And the first card we've got here is Guahir the Wind Lord. It's four white-blue for a legendary creature, Bird Noble. It's a 4-4. It's got flying and vigilance and gives other birds you control vigilance. And it costs two less to cast if you've drawn two or more cards this turn. I'm less excited about this one, and I'll chat about it in a second, than I am about the next card, which is Prince Emerheel the Fair. White blue for a 2-2. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, create a 1-1 white human soldier creature token. 
Now, this card seems like a banger to me. Yeah, Prince Emer Hill is much better than Guahir. Which is so hard because like you're like, the spell costs two less to cast if you've drawn two or more cards this turn. But presumably you're spending mana to draw the cards. Right. How did I draw the second card if I didn't spend any mana to do so? Now, maybe there will be, I mean, a free looter or rummager seems unlikely, but you know, maybe there's going to be some ability for you to do that. Um, but yeah, less excited about this, but I think Prince Emerail looks amazing. Yeah, it's cheap. And then presumably while you're wheel spinning, that you get a board presence to help keep you alive to take advantage of all those extra cards you've drawn. But draw your second card each turn. So like, when, when did we see that really? Like blue-red in, uh, in Throne of Eldraine? Yeah. But like even that was an archetype that relied pretty heavily on getting uncommon and even rare payoffs like there were an abundance of ways to you know make it work um in terms of you know the thrill of possibility variance though it might be interesting to see like what are they going to do in white because white doesn't often draw cards maybe it will now maybe it will all right next up we've got blue black which looks to be ring tempting we've only got one card spoiled so far it's ring sight one blue black for a sorcery the ring tempts you Search your library for a card that shares a color with a legendary creature you control, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. What do you think? This looks a little expensive. I guess it depends on how much you care about the ring tempting you, but three mana for a demonic tutor that's restricted in a normal powered limited environment is not generally a great Magic the Gathering card. Right. Yeah. Is the ring tempt you? enough and the mana reduction enough for the amount of setup cost this requires i'm gonna say no initially but i guess that remains to be seen that takes us on to red black which looks super well supported but maybe just had tons of cards previewed for it so far but uh, red black cares about goblins orcs and then those orc armies as well yeah so first up we've got mahur urukai captain Black red for a 2-2. Is this man flesh? Look like looks like meat's back on the menu or whatever. Um, black red for a 2-2 legendary creature orc soldier with menace. So we've got the plus one plus one counter theme shifted here to black red. If one or more plus one plus one counters would be put on an army, goblin, or orc you control, that many plus one plus one plus one counters are put <laughs> on it instead. Yeah, this card looks incredible, right? Yeah. Just an efficient beater that's going to make all your armies more threatening and beat down. Card looks very strong. Yeah, that's awesome. Next one, again, not quite as good. The more expensive one, generally. Ugluk of the White Hand. This is two black-red for a 3-3 legendary orc soldier. And it says, whenever another creature you control dies, put a plus one plus one counter on Ugluk of the White Hand. If that creature was a goblin or orc, put two plus one plus one counters on Ugluk instead. Yeah, I'm really not excited about this. Like, at least slap menace on this guy, too. Well, what I'm really not excited about is I'm going to be in pods with people and I'm going to pass Oogluks and I'm uh-huh. going to pass Guahirs and they're going to move into my color pair after I've drafted Prince Emerhills or I've drafted uh-huh. Urukai Captains, you know? No, no, you got to give people a little bit more credit than that. Do people I? Are, people, <laughs> do I? You got to give people more credit than that. No, that's, <laughs> that's the Ben question. Uh, next up is Red Green, which looks to be... One of my least favorite red green like mechanics or themes is power four or greater. Um, so first up, we've got friendly rivalry, which is a removal spell. Red green for an instant target creature you control and up to one other target legendary creature you control. Each deal damage equal to their power to target creature you don't control. Yeah, this is fine. Straight up removal spell. And the second card is Strider, Ranger of the North. This is two red green for a four four legendary human ranger. 
It's got landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, target creature gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Then if that creature has power four or greater, it gains first strike until end of turn. Okay. I mean, four mana, four, four. Uh, it could potentially, like if you play it off curve, could potentially get the ability the turn it comes into play. Have we seen any, I wasn't really looking out for this. Have we seen any sort of like, often for this kind of archetype to tick, you want to see like, three mana four power creatures or even sometimes do you get like two mana four power or a way for a two mana creature to easily get to four power type thing do you remember seeing anything like that yet i haven't seen anything like that yet but it also might be landfall right we've got the we've got the basic land cyclers so maybe it is landfall that's true and you've got the you know the the land the colorless fixing land that we have that we'll talk about in a bit does do a sort of like sacrifice it, get another land type thing. So you're right. Maybe it's landfall. I would like that way better. I also would like that way better, but time will tell. Uh, next up is white green. Looks like it's food, baby. First up is Butterbur, Bree Innkeeper, two green white for a 3-3. Three, three. At the beginning of your end step, if you don't control a food, create a food token. A food factory? Are you kidding me? <laughs> food factory. That is awesome. That's Four mana, three, three. I mean, let's not get too out of control here. I Let me say I will be drafting this card a lot and trying to make it work, but it is not intrinsically a great Magic the Gathering card. I'm just, I am excited. I feel like green, white is always like plus and plus one counters or tokens or whatever that is always an aggressively slanted thing. I mean, this card is in in theory, in some world, just on its own, Four mana, three, three, gain three life every turn. That's, yeah. that's very powerful for a deck that wants the game to go long. I agree. I, I am excited about green white. I, I agree. It looks cool. Like okay. just the, yeah. the making of food tokens. I am excited about it. And Butterbur's, eh, <laughs> I'm going to be drafting a lot of it. It's fra- Yeah. The tough thing is the tough sell is the four mana, three, three part. That's yes. uh, that's a tough sell. But if you get to the point where you're stable and you've got Butterbur and it doesn't die, like you're going to be doing some stuff. For sure. Next, we've got Frodo Baggins. Green white for a one, three legendary halfling scout. Whenever Frodo Baggins or another legendary creature enters the battlefield under your control, the ring tempts you. As long as Frodo is your ring bearer, it must be blocked if able. Is that good? I guess that's good if you get to the third tier, right? Except they're not going to be able to block it with things with greater power. Oh. Right? Wait, that's so awkward. I agree. (laughs) Wait. I was very excited about Frodo, and then I was like, wait a second. (laughs) Oh, are we missing something? Like, why is this good? I don't think it is. Particularly, like, some of the ring bearer stuff is at odds with itself. That's really or, or prevents it from being like totally broken. I guess. I guess it's it's tough because you're like, well, do I? I it goes from this thing where it can't be blocked, which is great, but then you want it to be blocked so it can kill a creature, but then you don't want it to be blocked so you deal the additional three damage. So I guess it just depends, like. How quickly are you getting to that fourth temptation, you know? Right. I mean, and Frodo certainly is a card that looks like it's going to get you there pretty quickly. Comparatively. Whenever it or another legendary creature enters the battlefield under your control, the ring tempts you. That could, I mean, you could just get there, right? Pretty quickly. Yeah. With just Frodo, I think, assuming Frodo lives, there are a lot of legendary creatures running around. Yeah. All right. What's going on with blue-red, do you think? No idea what's going on with (laughs) blue-red. We will see. Uh, We have one card spoiled, which is Bilbo Retired Burglar. It's one blue-red for a 1-3 legendary halfling rogue. And whenever Bilbo Retired Burglar enters or leaves the battlefield, the ring tempts you. And whenever it deals combat damage to a player, create a treasure token. 
I wonder if it's going to be kind of like the, remember the the blue black theme that didn't really work out in AFR that was like the on hit creatures. I wonder if blue red is like, if you hit your opponent, you get this bonus and the ring tempts you sort of helps that out. Helps that happen. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah, but we only have that one card spoiled so far, so we don't know. Next card we have, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on this. We have Rise of the Witch King. This is for black green. So two black green for a sorcery. Each player sacrifices a creature. If you sacrifice a creature this way, you may return another permanent card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Hey, baby. Yeah, I mean... If it works and if there's enablers for it right now, we there, haven't seen. There, there are. There are? There, there's the land cyclers. Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, like, land cycle on one, play some, like, ETB derp on two, play this on four. Yeah. All right. That's, You're selling that's, me. That's pretty good. You're selling I, me. I think it's, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited for this. This, uh... I, again, we don't only have one green black card so far, but um, but this this kind of I, you know tough to say what it's doing. Is it reanimating? Is it sacrificing? Is it just the the classic Golgari is <laughs> graveyard stuff? You know, um, but whatever it is, I think this plus the land cyclers is definitely a thing. Yeah, I, I was thinking hadn't seen support yet in terms of self mill, but you're selling me on the land cyclers. I think that is probably good enough from what we've seen of the land cyclers. Mm -hmm. All right. That takes us on to red white, which we don't really know what it is, but would make a ton of sense if it is human based on a Theoden King of Rohan, right? Yeah, that's true. So Theoden is one red white for a two, three legendary creature, human noble. Whenever it or another human enters the battlefield under your control, Woof, target creature gains double strike until end of turn. Yeah, if it's human tribal, that is going to be beating down hard. But then where does where does the old horse lord fit into all this? We've got Shadowfax next. Yeah, so Shadowfax, Lord of Horses, is three red-white for a 4-4 legendary horse. Gives horses you control haste. And whenever Shadowfax, Lord of Horses, attacks, you may put a creature card with lesser power from your hand onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. I mean, it's a... Five mana, four, four haste that's going to let you put another creature. That's explosive. Like yeah, it's that's, just broken, right? That's really powerful. It's five mana, potentially put up to seven power haste. Yeah. Attacking onto the battlefield. Yeah. That's really that's, strong. That's I mean, it doesn't really need a lot of strong. synergy to get there at a red no, white beat. That's just deck. good. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And well, and imagine you have Theoden, or imagine just you put Theoden into play and now you've got. Yeah, it's a 2-3, but it's really a 4-3 because it's got double strike. Yeah, uh, it looks potentially very explosive. Oh, good. Red-white gets to be a good aggressive deck again. Yippee. <laughs> I mean, we play magic. What do you want, we, man? I know, I know. Uh, next up is blue-green mm, question mark. What's this? Only card we have previewed is Legolas, Counter of Kills. Two green-blue for the 2-3. Legendary creature, Elf Archer. It's got reach. Whenever you scry, if Legolas Counter of Kills is tapped, you may untap it. Do this only once each turn. Whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, put a plus one plus one counter on Legolas. This card is bad, right? Is there, there's gotta be, is there like a horseshoe crab combo with this? Like some, I don't know. What This text doesn't make any sense to me. There's another card that cares about scrying somewhere that we're going to take a look at, but okay. this looks clunky as all get out to me. Yeah, four mana, two, three reach. Like, why do I care about untapping this? 
to ambush things, presumably, right? Like once you've got some counters on it, like like, it's so much work though. But also like, especially in, you know, if this is in red, black, you have ways to, like green, blue does, is an awkward color pair for something that cares about creatures dying because you don't often have removal that kills stuff. Like green, I guess, has you know, bite fight stuff, but blue doesn't kill creatures. Yeah, this card is tough. That is tough. And then for black, white, as we said, nothing has been spoiled so far. But maybe historic. Maybe historic. Maybe some kind of life gain thing. We'll, we'll look at one of the, the banger commons so far with uh, Mirkwood bats um, a little bit later, but there's also food tokens. So maybe it's life gain, but I, I like your supposition that it's historic. That makes sense to me. Okay, let's chat first about some removal. What's going on here? We've got lots of good removal spells previewed already. First up is Bitter Downfall. Three to black for an instant. Costs three less to cast if it targets a creature that was dealt damage this turn. It says destroy target creature. Its controller loses two life. That is aggressive. It's very aggressive. I mean, just four mana instant speed, kill a thing. Its controller loses two life is a good Magic the Gathering card. And then sometimes the the text will be relevant. Yeah. Costing a single black. Yeah, I just mean like kill a thing plus they lose two life is like, that's really punishing if you're aggressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up is Golem's Bite. This is another uncommon removal spell. Single black for an instant. Target creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. So a disfigure reprint effectively, except it also has three and a black exile Golem's Bite from your graveyard. The ring tempts you. Activate only as a sorcery. Nice little bit of... Uh, of upside there attached to your disfigure. Yeah, that card will be good, I'm sure. Next is Stew the Conies. Two and a green for an instant. Target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target creature you don't control. Create a food token. So, so let's talk about this. Where are you at in terms of, so this is Rabid Bite, but a mana more, but you get a food. Is that worth it to you? I mean, my hatred of Rabid Bite is well documented. That's true. <laughs> uh, but... Like this is a powered down set, so this will probably be good enough. And I assume if you care about the food token, this is just great for you. It's just like it's an exponentially more difficult spell to hold up, you know, like holding up two mana slots in a little bit nicer to like this is flexible. So lets me double spell, etc. Whereas three mana often is just that's your turn, you know? Yeah, but you're going to be playing this card. It's just not premium, like C+. I don't have to play this card. Don't tell me what to do. (laughs) I can do what I want. I do want to play this next card. This is Morgul Knife Wound. So flavorful. I know. One in a black for an aura enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets minus three, minus O, and has at the beginning of your upkeep, exile this creature unless you pay two life. I mean, normally these kinds of effects aren't great, but this is a real tax. This is like, Stab wound territory. Yeah, this is a real tax. I mean, the, the creature would have to have a very good static or activated ability to want to keep it around. I assume this will be premium removal. Well, the, the interesting thing about this is that you basically, you know, assuming your creature then has, you know, you stick this on whatever creature and it's now an 3 or a negative 1-3. Well, now it can like block all of your opponent's tiny ring bearers. Mm-hmm. Right. So like you have you'll I think you will sometimes keep this around. You'll you'll say, hey, actually paying two life is better than me getting hit by this ring bearer every turn. 
So you think not premium then? No, I, no, I, I'm not saying that it's not premium. I'm just saying I think it's not going to be like- uh, The decision is going to be automatic, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's just going to be like, oh, you put Moral Knife Wound on my creature, I'm going to sacrifice my creature next turn. I think there's going to be a little, I think that's often what you'll do, but I think there will be a little bit of tension where you might go, actually, let me give myself a few draw steps to find removal for the ring bear or whatever, find another small creature, etc. Yeah, probably not premium, right? Because it also gives your opponent a chump, like, yeah. You're, yeah, it doesn't get a thing out of the way. I think, oh, it's, I think it's well designed, though. I think it's playable. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, we've got Smite the Deathless, which is premium. This is mm. one in red for an instant. Deals three damage to target creature. That creature loses indestructible until end of turn. If that creature would die this turn, exile it instead. What, what can you say about great, cheap, efficient removal, you know? Card's great. Next up is Ents Fury. One on a green for a sorcery. Put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control if its power is four or greater. Then that creature gets plus one plus one until end of turn and fights target creature you don't control. So at, at the base, it's plus one plus one fight a thing. And then if the thing starts out as four power or greater, it's going to get an additional plus one plus one counter. Card's strong. I theoretically like it better than Stew the Coney. That's, that's how I feel too. Yeah. Also a nod to red green being power four or greater. <laughs> Is that the green removal spell at common has that text? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then a reprint here uh, in Banishing Light, two and a white enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until Banishing Light leaves the battlefield. Perfect reprint, though, with the new art with Gandalf. Mm. So good. Yeah. All right. Next up, let's chat about a little bit of mana fixing. Ben, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw my first hot take here. <laughs> I'm ready. Is this an Attune with Ether reprint? Many partings, single green for a sorcery, search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it into your hand then shuffle create a food token i like this card there's a lot to like it does seem like there's a lot of tokeny stuff going on from the cards that we've seen previewed so far and if there is a multicolored cares about tokens deck who many partings is going to be sweet i mean we've seen this effect a lot of times since a tune with ether and we've said is this a tune with ether every time and the answer has been no Right. Since a tune with either. So I, I doubt it is that good, but playable for sure. Playable. Rectangles, man. You get a land and a food token. Yeah. I mean, and it's fixing in it. In it's just sort of a two color green deck. In theory, this just replaces, right, your 17th land if you want it to. Yeah, I got, got my eye on many partings for sure. Next up, we've got Woe's Pathfinder. This is one in a green for a 1-1 one, one human shaman. It taps to add a mana of any color. And then six and a green, tap it. Another target creature gets plus three, plus three and gains trample until end of turn. I have no idea how to evaluate this. Like a two mana, one, one, any color mana dork is not great. But like the problem, like the reason these kinds of cards aren't great is because they, you know, help you be a little explosive in the early turns. Maybe they fix you as well. And that's important to you. But then largely they do nothing. Well, this solves that problem right and that it's a huge issue later on in the game but seven mana plus tapping this right you can't include this in terms of the mana for the activation seven mana plus tapping this that's a lot of mana ben it's a lot of mana i assume this will be c plus ish like a playable wow. green card every card is a c plus for you huh i am excited about this next card which is wizard's yeah. rockets this is one mana for an artifact enters the battlefield tapped and you can pay X, tap, sacrifice it, add X mana in any combination of colors. And whenever it's put into a graveyard from the battlefield, draw a card. Yeah, a cool like variant on the, the prisms that we've seen in the past that usually only would filter for one mana. It's 
kind of interesting. You get your hand on, I don't know, a, a couple of these. Can you start to just think about double splashing whatever you want? I mean, you could, but there's a cost, right? Because right. this doesn't replace itself until you crack it. Right. So it's a little awkward in that sense, but I would imagine I'll be firing off some rockets to cast some spells in this format. Yeah, I got my eye on that card for sure. And then the land, as we talked about before, is Shire Terrace. Uh, taps for colorless, or you can pay one, tap, sack it, search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. Yeah, I think worse than Evolving Wilds, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I, probably. Yeah, I agree. Probably. That was okay. my thought reading it. I was like, is this better? Mm, probably not. No, probably not. Um, but so we got some you know, colorless fixing at common. That's nice. And in the form of lands, that's nice. Usually... In these sets, and by these sets, I mean the sort of core sets or core set adjacent sets, you don't often want to splash a lot, right? There isn't usually a five-color good stuff deck. No, but we can hope. We can hope. I'm just, all I'm saying is usually. And then there's more colorless fixing in the, the land cyclers. We already talked about Oliphant, um, uh, and there have been two others previewed so far. I assume we will get the full cycle of you know one for each color. Yeah, but the black one, Troll of Kazadoom, looks like a, a mean one to put in with that black-green uncommon. So this is five and a black for a 6-5 troll. Can't be blocked except by three or more creatures. Oh my god. Swamp cycling one. That card's a beater. So you get that out on turn four with the reanimate edict spell? And you're cracking in on turn five? Yeah, that's tough. That's really tough. Okay. All right. Keeping my eyes out for that. All right. Let's talk about the token makers. Let's talk about some more food tokens. First up, we've got Rosie Cotton of South Lane. This is two and a white for a 1-1 legendary creature halfling peasant. When Rosie Cotton enters the battlefield, you create a food token. And whenever you create a token, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control other than Rosie. Another payoff for making food tokens, but a little bit at odds with the, the thing that food tokens are doing, which is, you know, gaining you life, extending the game. This is growing creatures, assuming that you want to attack with them. But I, I'm tentatively excited about Rosie. It's tough to get excited about a three-mana 1-1. One, one. I'm pretty excited about Rosie. There's a, just a ton of tokens. There's treasure. There's those orc armies. I don't know. I really like Rosie. I think this is just the Samwise Game GNU coming out. <laughs> I think that's Which what's happening. Which means what? Isn't that who Sam marries at the end? Isn't that it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think you're just, I think you're just, uh, you've got eyes for roses. Just, that's I'm all just I'm saying. Smitten, huh? Yeah, you're just smitten. Okay. I'm just trying to impress you with my Lord of the Rings knowledge, Ben, because that was, I feel like was too deep of a cut for I me feel, at the moment. I, I was very like... focused on evaluating <laughs> Magic the Gathering cards. I feel like I have to prove my nerddom to you in some way. All right, next we've got Mariadoc Brandybuck. This is one in a green for a 2-2 halfling citizen. And whenever one or more halflings you control attack a player, create a food token. Great. Hard to be mad about that. Hard to be mad about that. Two mana, 2-2 two, two with upside. And where there's Mary, there's Pippin. There's Peregrine Took. Two in a green for a 2-3. If one or more tokens would be created under your control, those tokens plus an additional food token are created instead. Oh, and then... I didn't even see this part before. <laughs> you didn't? No! <laughs> Pippin, sacrifice three foods, draw a card? Yeah. I mean, that's going to add up. You're going to be able to potentially poop out a lot of food tokens. I mean, green-white getting to derp around seems like so much fun to me. I cannot wait for this green-white derp deck. 
it's going to fold super hard to two removal spells. But yeah. if your opponent doesn't have those two removal just, spells, you are going to be popping off. That seems so fun. Next up, we've got East Farthing Farmer. Two and a white for a 2-3 when ETBs make a food token. And whenever you do, target creature you control gets plus one, plus one until end of turn for each food you control. What is this? Don't give me these aggressive slanted things attached to my food token creators. I don't like it. I don't it's want the, the game the, to, it's to the end. It's the Mariadoc Brandy Buck version. There's two versions. There's the beatdown green white and then okay. the dope around green white. All right. Time to talk about this card. It's uh, oh, I'm the, so excited. The, the scourge of all uh, of all commander players everywhere. How is this going to play out in limited? This is Mirkwood Bats. Three and a black for a two, three with flying. Whenever you create or sacrifice a token, each opponent loses one life. I'm in love with this card. This card seems great, especially because like I was like, well, it doesn't let you gain life, except that like most of the tokens you're sacrificing are going to be food tokens, most or all, but I guess there are treasures as well, right? So most of the tokens you'll be sacrificing will be food. And so that's gaining you life right there. I don't know. This card seems excellent to me. I mean, it's a little overcosted, And again, like this deck is going to have trouble with removal, but hey. A green white deck splashing some Mirkwood bats. And then if there's like a black rebuy two creatures from the graveyard, like ooh, ooh, you yeah. better believe that's going to be a stew. That sounds great. Yeah. Very excited about Mirkwood bats. I think it's going to be hard to get all the pieces rolling together, but you better believe I'm going to be trying. Nice. Well, I guess also Mirkwood bats works with armies. Works with armies, works with treasures. Yeah. All the token stuff cares about tokens. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of tokens gel. In the form. Okay, okay. I you know, well, you know what I you know I love tokens, Ben. I do know you love tokens. Rectangles. Rectangles. <laughs> Last food card we've got here is Mushroom Watchdogs. One in a green for a two-two, and you can sack a food to put a plus one plus one counter on mushroom watchdogs. Gains vigilance until end of turn. Activate only as a sorcery. I could see these good little boys getting huge. Mm-hmm. Well, and the fact that they get huge and then the vigilance until end of turn is is pretty big game. Yep. All right, let's get into some more ring tempt you cards because I'm still having trouble figuring out how this is all going to play out. First up is Gandalf, Friend of the Shire. Three and a blue for a 2-4 with flash. You may cast sorcery spells as though they had flash. Whenever the ring tempts you, if you chose a creature other than Gandalf, Friend of the Shire, as your ring bearer, draw a card. Well, that seems great. I mean, this is just a payoff for the ring tempting you, which we have not seen yet other than just that being good for your creatures. Right. So this is just even better. Make something else your ring bearer. Well, this doesn't this doesn't let the ring tempt you. No, this no, no, is no, no. Yeah. For it, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Right. You need ways to enable the ring tempting you. But those seem more prevalent. Like the ring tempting you seems easier to come by than things that theoretically care about the ring tempting you. Now it's possible that the ring tempting you is just good and you don't actually need a payoff for the ring tempting you, you know? Yeah, for sure. Next up, we've got Samwise the Stouthearted. This even kind of looks like, what's the I actor's know. name? Yeah, Sean Astin. Sean Astin, yeah, wow. Uh, one and a white for a 2-1 with Flash. And whenever Samwise the Stouthearted enters the battlefield, choose up to one target permanent card in your graveyard that was put there from the battlefield this turn. Return it to your hand, then the ring tempts you. Sweet. They, I mean, this is nice. There's a lot to like about this card. So like, yeah. sort of a play on the, you know, coming in and saving a thing. Um, that we usually see is like you flash it in and then pick up a thing, but this, you know, picks it up from the graveyard. And also the ring tempting tacked mm-hmm. on here. This card does a lot for two mana. Next up, we've got uh, the uncommon version of Gollum. This is the patient plotter. One on a black for a three one 
Legendary creature, when Golem Patient Plotter leaves the battlefield, the ring tempts you, and you can pay black, sacrifice a creature, return Golem from your graveyard to your hand, activate only as a sorcery. All right, there's a sacrifice outlet. There's a sacrifice outlet, yeah. This has to be in your graveyard to work, and it's not repeatable, but I mean, this is a cool card. Right, it's not repeatable in in the sense of like, you know, you can't machine gun or like, you know, sacrifice stuff at, at whim, and you can't do it. At uh, at instant speed, but I still think it's a pretty cool card and a two mana three one's good. Ben, are we like what? What do I need to do? Do I need to write in like a golem impression in one of our ad reads? Like when are we going to get you doing a golem impression on the show? Golem. Okay, that's fine for that's fine for <laughs> now. I'll work on. It. I'll work. That's <laughs> fine for now, but uh, the people demand more. All right, next we've got Nazgul. Again, the flavor overflowing here. Mm-hmm. Two and a black for a one-two Wraith Knight with Death Touch. When it ETBs, the ring tempts you. And whenever the ring tempts you, put a plus one, plus one counter on each Wraith you control. And a deck can have up to nine cards named Nazgul. Yeah, did you not? I never lived the seven copies of Seven Dwarves Dream in a Throne of Eldraine, did you? I think I might have one time, Yeah. Getting, I certainly got to six if I didn't get to seven. Getting nine copies of an uncommon is going to be very difficult. It's going to be impossible. <laughs> Not someone's going to do it. I don't know if it's impossible. It's going to be nearly impossible. We need to know the math, and it is not high. I bet I bet Frank Carson's already doing it. Already got that uh, that clickbait piece out there. It's going anyway, to be like near opening the one ring levels of math. Right, like this does seem, I mean, it doesn't seem so ridiculously powerful as a common, but it, it would have been a cool like catch them all kind of thing like when when you've got all of those you know when you're looking for those bad commons then you're like oh but if i get four or five of them the sacred cats of the world then they're pretty good you know yeah i wish it had been a common uh and lastly here we've got slip on the ring which is a, a play on the flicker variant one on white for an instant exile target creature you own then return it to the battlefield under your control the ring tempts you that's interesting that it says own first so if they like mind control your thing or active treason it, you can flicker it. Yes, you could. That doesn't usually like usually it's exile target creature you control, not you own. There's also been a fair amount of flickering and blinking going on in some other cards as well. So have to see how valuable this effect is. There have been a ton of cards previewed for this like army orc stuff happening. Like wh- where do you want to start with these? There has been a lot. I think the first one is kind of kind of a build around ish. Not really. Uh, but March from the Black Gate, one in a black enchantment whenever it ETBs and whenever an army you control attacks, amass orcs one. So it's going to like make you an orc that's then going to attack as a two two. And then future armies you control are always going to get plus one plus one when they attack. Seems like a strong card. I'm not I'm kind of not into this card, to be honest. It's going to be busted when it comes down on turn two. It's going to be busted? No, it's not. You're telling me it's busted that your two mana play attacks as a two two? When you're on the play and you play March from the Black Gate as your two, and then Uh it attacks as a two two, and then it's going to attack as a three three, it's like a slith that doesn't need to connect. I love sliths way more than you. We've had this conversation before. I'm just saying like, sometimes, you know, like half the time you're on the draw and then this card is just a two mana one one. But then you'll also randomly have like a three three orc and at some point it's going to have attacks and then it's going to start 
growing. I kind of like this card. Maybe we should have put this in greater garbage. Maybe we should have. I mean, I don't know if it's terrible, but I am not excited about this. I feel like people are going to look at this and be like, that's Bitter Blossom or whatever. Like, it's not this- Bitter Blossom. No, it's not that good. It's like a C plus. <laughs> Stop it. I love how you, you said it's like a C plus and then you realize that that's the third time you've said no, I knew I did on purpose. <laughs> um, I'm very excited for this card. 4A of Orcs, 3 in a red for a sorcery. You amass Orcs 2. When you do, 4A of Orcs deals X damage to target creature and opponent controls, where X is the amassed army's power. This is like one of the reasons, like this is one of the times where I feel like it's going to be better to already have an army and then add to it and then get to kill something big. But even 4 mana 2-2, two, two, deal two to something i'm i'm fine with right well it's also going to be backbreaking if you do that and then cast this next card which is treason of isengard two and a blue for a sorcery put up to one target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard on top of your library a mass orcs two so you're going to like get that ftk effect then make it a little bigger with treason of isengard and then re-rack that ftk effect baby i am really interested in that thank you um i guess i guess we have to talk about my invitational card here Oh, absolutely. You have pegged this as my most drafted common, and I I can't say no. This is Swarming of Moria. Two and a red for a sorcery. Create a treasure token. Amass orcs two. So on its face, three mana, two, two with a treasure token. Pretty darn good, to be honest. Worse than Sailor of Means, though. Worse than Sailor of Means. Worse than whatever. What was the plundering barbarian? Was like three mana, two, two, make a treasure or blow up an artifact. But sometimes, right, the, it's it's interesting. A mass is just an interesting mechanic because of that modality not being quite under your control. Because, like, sometimes you'll want the 2-2. Sometimes you'll also want to, like, build on something, right? Sometimes this is plus 2, plus 2 for your 2-drop, right? Imagine, sometimes you'll have to build on something and you won't want to. And you to. won't want to, right? That's the that's the rub there is that – and that's where those sacrifice outlets come into play, I think, is where you have ways to then go, you know, I'd rather is have an additional body here. How can I make that work? Um, but yeah, I, I like Swarming of Moria quite a bit. Uh, surprise, surprise. Another really interesting one. There's kind of a Toll of the Invasion variant mm. with the Torment of Gollum. This is three and a black for a sorcery. Target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from it. That player discards that card amass orcs too I'm, I'm skeptical of this card are you it seems if it were four mana two two do the effect it would be insane right you're saying that the only downside for this is that sometimes it's plus two plus two i think so is it not true i don't a know four, a four mana two two look at your opponent's hand take their best card is broken i'm trying to think about the difference between three mana and four mana on this card and think about the context of Toll of the Invasion. So Toll of the Invasion, for folks who don't know, we're talking about all these references to cards. Like everybody has the same, like, you know, it's like everyone knowledge. has played yeah. magic obsessively for the last 20 years, right? Exactly. Toll of the Invasion was for more of the spark. It was three mana for a mass one with this effect, right? Look at their hand, pick a thing, they discard it. I'm just trying to think about where the power level exists on the mana curve in the format will matter in terms of like if it's if four drops are things you want to snag, right? One of the reasons this was so good in War of the Spark was, you know, you got to get those those big chunky planeswalkers out before they could cast them. It's unclear if that's going to be the thing here. It seems like maybe it's more about ring tempting you or value of the mass or whatever. Just four mana for this kind of effect, I think, is is markedly more than three. That's all I'm 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 wary about. I agree. I, I still have very high hopes for that card. Another okay. one that we have to talk about is Dunland Creebane. 
This is two and a black for a 1-1 flying bird hoarder. And whenever it enters the battlefield, amass orcs two. Ooh. So when this, like, this is just like sort of reverse preening champ. Reverse preening champ. But still quite good, I think, oh, as a reverse yeah. preening champ. Like, like, less good later in the game. And obviously less good because the flyer is smaller. But, like, on turn three, I think this is just going to largely feel similarly backbreaking. Yeah, I think the card is very good when it comes down on turn three. I think it will be a very strong common. Yeah, I think so too. Okay. So many good things to like about the Amass stuff. Yeah, there's it's just by far the most supported thing so far, but it's also probably got the most cards previewed for it so uh-huh. far as well. Right, right. So we'll have to temper that for sure. Okay, we talked about removal. I think we should also talk about some combat tricks that have been spoiled. First up is Second Breakfast, Ben. I don't think Ben knows about Second Breakfast. Every So every time you get got by this card, chat's going to say, I don't think he knows about Second Breakfast, Pip. <laughs> Like every Maybe. time you get blown out by this card, that's what people will say. So this is two and a white for an instant at common up to two target creatures. Each get plus two plus one until end of turn. Create a food token. I wish this card were better. I mean, it's if you get someone with it, it's going to be quite good. What uh, what grade would you give it? C plus, you think? <laughs> no, I would give it like <laughs> a D plus. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. It's not a great card. Next up, we've got Shalab's Ambush. This is black for an instant. Target creature gets plus one, plus two, and gains death touch until end of turn. Create a food token. This does look incredible. This card is excellent. It's so much for one mana. If it was just the first part without the food token, right? Plus one, plus two, and death touch for one mana is a very good trick. Very good trick. And the food token gravy, mm-hmm. this, can I interest you in C+. This you can't probably, just probably still a little aggressive at C plus, but it's uh, very good. I don't know. It's, yeah, card's really, really good. Next up is Gimli's Fury. One in red for an instant. Target creature gets plus three, plus two until end of turn. If it's legendary, it also gains trample until end of turn. Wah, wah, certainly less good. Yeah. Next one, though, we're alternating bad, good, bad, good. <laughs> Bombadil's Song. This is one in a green for an instant. Target creature you control gets plus one, plus one, and gains hexproof until end of turn. The ring tempts you. Instant speed ring tempting you is interesting, right? Especially from three to four. That's where it's really interesting because you can switch who your ring bearer is at instant speed, and you get to get that thing where if a creature connects they deal three damage as well, or they lose three life as well. Yeah, and just two mana plus one plus one hexproof is pretty strong. Yeah, I like yeah. this card. Yeah, I think that's really, really good. I think probably less good than the plus one plus two death touch trick, but still very strong. Mm-hmm. All right, talk, talk to me about this card. I saw you tweet some love for uh, for this equipment. I like this card. I know that it's not as good as my attraction to it, but I like this card. This is Galadrim Bow. Two and a green for an artifact equipment with flash. Whenever it ETBs, attach it to target creature you control. Untap that creature. An equipped creature has plus one, plus two, and has reach. It's got an equip cost of two. This card is going to be annoying as sin if your <laughs> opponent sticks it. It's so much mana. It's so much mana. It is so much mana, but it's such a good buff. And it's equipment. Do you remember how good that stupid bow was that made the two, three creature? Yeah, of course, because that because rectangles, baby, this doesn't make a creature. It doesn't make a creature, but if you get the blowout, oof, it's going to be so good. I, I don't know. Oh, yeah, you also loved that other, <laughs> you just love flash equipment. I do love flash equipment. There was another one that was like three mana plus one plus one, and I think maybe gave first Quicksilver strike. Quicksilver dagger? Yeah, this is like Quicksilver dagger. This is better than Quicksilver dagger. Uh, yeah, I don't know, bud. 
I think I think you just got rose-colored glasses for these cards. I think this is better than Quicksilver Dagger. I like this card. Last trick we've got is Pippin's Bravery. Single green for an instant. You may sacrifice a food. If you do, target creature gets plus four, plus four until end of turn. Otherwise, that creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. It's a fine card. It's big, yeah. One mana plus two, plus two is fine. And then, you know, depending on the amount of food that you have running around, I mean, this is for that... That aggressively slanted version of this deck that I will certainly never draft, but the aggressively slanted version of the food token producing what looks to be green white deck. Um, this is a really good way to use like one mana plus four plus four is ridiculous. Yeah, it's very large. Yeah. All right, Ben. Is it time? I think it's time. It's time for great or garbage. And we have already. We already started arguing. Ben couldn't help himself <laughs> to start to argue with me about the last card on this list that he didn't have on the list. I put on the list, and then right before we recorded, he removed again from the list. I took he- it off because I was wondering how it got on there because it's so obviously terrible. Can't wait to get to that, so you want to make sure you stick around to the very end. First up on Greater Garbage is Voracious Fell Beast. This is four black black for a 4-4 flyer. When it enters the battlefield, each opponent sacrifices a creature. Create a food token for each creature sacrificed this way. I, you know, this is it's tough to put this card first because I want to be a coward and say neither, but that's not the game. Yeah, it's not the game. I, like, old me would have said great. Six mana 4-4 four, four flyers a lot. Like, by this point in the game, if the sacrificing of the creature is relevant... Like, it's just hard to say if there's going to be derpy creatures laying around often on the battlefield. Like, if there's armies. This yeah. might not do a ton. I, I, I would say, like, in all seriousness, this is likely to be a C or a C plus. Like, I don't think this pulls you into black. Here, so I, I, I don't think it can be great. I used to think that these 4-4 four, four flyers that cost whatever, six mana, were just bad these days like they're c minus territory i think obviously the, the one we saw in the last set was an exception it was seven mana for a four four but had convoke and had haste and i never drafted that card very much and every time it got cast against me it was usually a problem and so it took me far hey, too long i have also died to that card quite a bit i just have been and, way, and never cast it yes way too long for in me in the lifetime of march to be like i think this card is good so it's ha- it has me looking at Four four flyers in a different way. I do think haste and convoke really are a big part of that, and so I think I'm going to land on the side of garbage for voracious fell beast. But there's a lot happening here. I mean, a four four flyer is a threat. Them sacrificing a thing can be a problem. You getting a food token can be really good. Like I don't think this card is just purely garbage. I agree. It's it's like a fine card. It's not great or garbage, but yeah. it's not great. And that was mostly why I wanted to put right. it here because I think old me like pre-podcast would have seen this card and thought, great, like mm-hmm. Quadrant Theory, six mana, four, four flyer. You're going to make a food token to help keep you alive. They have to sacrifice a thing. Like you do get a lot of stuff. But none of those things are very good. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like a C plus, maybe. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we've got Gimli Counter of Kills. This is three and a red for a 4-3 legendary dwarf warrior with trample. And whenever a creature and opponent controls dies, Gimli Counter of Kills deals one damage to that creature's controller. This card is great. I don't know. Why is this on this list? This card is garbage. You think this is great? Yeah, I do think this is great. I think this card is steaming garbage. Really? I almost didn't put it on the list again. <laughs> 
Um, this is unscripted, folks. Just this is you're just getting the real <laughs> deal here. Uh, so Gimli counter of kills is like really good top end curve top or whatever for an aggressive deck and your opponent like thinks they're stable. Like, okay, you've stopped being able to mow me down, whatever. And then you stick Gimli and then like, I mean, obviously you, if they have everything they have is bigger than everything you have. It's bad, but that's bad anyway. But in the situation where they're hoping to just be like, I can do make this trade, I can make this trade, Gimli says, No, you're gonna you're at five, you're gonna die that way. Yes, that's the one situation where this card might be relevant. Let me ask you this. We're busting it out early. Oh my god, before the I don't stand a chance. This is <laughs> before many, the crash. How many course. times do you think you're casting this this format? Me? I think it's zero. You personally, I think you are casting Gimli never. I'm gonna cast Gimli. I'll take the over on never. <laughs> I would say sub, wait, casting or putting in a deck? Putting it in a deck. I'm putting this in like- Sub five times. I'm putting this in a deck sub five times. I think that's right. Terrible. This card is not terrible. It can't be great and you see <laughs> you're putting it in a deck sub five times. But I am not very good, you know? It's uh, it's tough. I, I don't know. I think, man, am I crazy? I just thought this was like a good way to close out a game for an aggro deck. I do not think so personally. Okay. <laughs> I'm going garbage. Ethan's okay. going great. I'm going great. But I mean, your argument of it can't be great and me want to cast it or put it in a deck sub five times. There is some uh, some cognitive there. dissonance there for <laughs> sure. Uh, next up is Goblin Fire Leaper. This is one in a red for a one one. You can pay one in a red to give it plus one plus O oh until end of turn. And when it dies, it deals damage equal to its power to target creature and opponent controls. This is a tough one. This is great. I, I do like it. I think this card is great. It's not particularly great in aggro per se, though, right? Because you have to invest the mana to make it a relevant Correct. Attacker. Well, I, this is it's it's really interesting to see this card right after playing with Furnace Gremlin, which I think we were kind of, it's kind of hard to see like, is this good? Is the one in a red too much? Then you're getting the incubate, whatever. Like Furnace Gremlin, I think bore out to be, in my opinion, a good card, but you're right. It wasn't a good aggressive card, right? It didn't right. pressure battles well, but it did give you a lot of leverage on the ground. I think this is better than that card too. You get That's the, you get the advantage too. up front immediately. It's going to, there's going to be times when you play this and your opponent's like, Oh, like because they're gonna have yes. two cheap creatures on the board, and they know this is gonna two for one them at some point. So yeah. I do think Fire Leaper is good. Yeah, I'm in for great on Fire Leaper. Next up, we've got a Rising of the Day, two and a red for enchantment. Creatures you control have haste. Legendary creatures you control get plus one plus O. Oh. I just I never ever like these cards. Fires of Yavimaya? No, no. I mean that is what this is. I just never, I never like these. I don't even like like anthems anymore that just give your team plus one plus one. I know that's bad. I know those are good cards generally. I just, I don't, I just don't like them. I don't know. I agree. Rising of the Day is garbage. Okay. Thank you. Next up is Saruman's Trickery. One blue, blue for an instant. Counter target spell, a mass orcs one. Is that good enough to get it over the hump? I think so. Do you? I don't. Especially, you know, this obviously counter spells wouldn't be red or black, but this being in, you know, this being in blue white, this is just going to be one, one counter target spell. 
Like when you are in a color that doesn't amass very often, this is more likely to just be the body rather than plus one plus one to something. Mm-hmm. I think that's really good. It's still tough. Like, yeah, I guess you're holding it up and countering whatever they play and you're pretty happy because you get the one one. Yeah, I think so. Great though? I think so. Yeah. Uh, or or shall I shall I say, at the very least, a C plus? At the very least a C plus? <laughs> I mean... Yeah, it's not pulling you into like, blue for sure. The game is greater garbage. This is w- way closer to great in my mind than garbage. I'm going to say garbage. Wow. It's tough. I don't know. I could be wrong. I think it's a very interesting card. I th- yeah, I th- I'm su- yeah. I'll be I'll be surprised if this is garbage. Next up, we've got Meneldor Swift Savior. This is 3 and a blue for a 3/3 three, three bird soldier with flying. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, exile up to one target creature you own, then return it to the battlefield under your control. I mean, again, the, the own and then control thing is really interesting to me. Um, but I guess we just probably don't have a control magic variant in the format. Four mana, three, three flyer. I know what is Phantom Monster isn't good anymore or whatever, but this has significant upside at the very that's, least. That's the journey I went on. I was like, wait, this is Phantom Monster with upside. This is great, but that's not good anymore. I don't think this card is that good. This at the very least, like basically has vigilance. Yes. That's... Are you blocking with your three, three flyer? I... I'd like to have the option if I can. All I'm I, saying is like that, st- like still it holds off like two power things. It makes racing difficult. You know, if it has vigilance, you don't have to block. You can have the threat of blocking. I don't know. Like there, there are definitely enter the battlefield triggers in the format that this can rebuy. I'm going garbage. Is this four mana? I think four mana cards need to do better than this. I think you think we're in March of the Machine still. And we're not. We're in the we're in the sweet land of Middle Earth where things aren't quite as powerful. Maybe, but I don't know what's happening right now. We're in role reversal. You're Mr. Optimistic and I'm Mr. Pessimistic. Just, just wait for the grades, baby. Wait for the grades. <laughs> uh, okay, next up we've got Jorath of the Healing House. Two and a blue for a 1-4. Legendary creature, human cleric. Tap to untap another target permanent. And tap to untap two other target legendary creatures. Spicy. I, I like it. I, I think great. I also am going to say great. It's a reasonable body and a very cool effect. It's Vizier of Tumbling Sands. Except imagine it with legendaries. And there are a lot of legendaries. Like if you I know. get good legendaries, it's going to be broken. Yeah. But like just th- this as a, I mean, whatever. Vizier of Tumbling Sands is a very old, older card. But th- that had, that was a three mana one three, I believe. Um, it had cycling, of course, but it had the the first line of text on tap another target permanent. Just as a mana dork, it's great. Um, we haven't seen a claustrophobia variant, a like tap a thing, keep it tapped thing, but we know that stun counters are going to exist. This being able to accelerate, you know, your things getting out from under stun counters is important. I, I, yeah, I like this card. I think great. I also go great. Next up, we've got Bill Fernie, <laughs> Bree Swindler. I, I don't understand this card at all. It's got a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> That doesn't work very well with itself. <laughs> one in a blue, two, one. Whenever it becomes blocked, choose one, create a treasure token, or target opponent gains control of target horse you control. If they do, remove Bill Fernie from combat and create three treasure tokens. Oh. So this you sell your horse, presumably? I'm not. Yeah, the, the flavor of this is whatever. But now I get it. So now you give your horse away. But then you use this, you, you know, still you, own it. You're you like, a, you swindle people. Yeah, and then you swindle them and you get it back. Ooh, I'm kind of in. You blink it with Maneldor Swift Savior and now you got three treasures, baby. But you have to have a horse. 
How easy, many horses are there going to be running peasy. around? I don't know. Shadow Facts is showing the horses the meaning of haste, you know? Is Bill a horse or a pony? It's got, there, there isn't creature type pony, is there? Bill's a horse. Bill's a horse. That's right. Good, good for you, Bill. <laughs> All right. I'm kind of in on it after that. <laughs> I think I was like, I, I, I feel a little vindicated that I was focusing so much on this own and control <laughs> I was, stuff. I was also wondering, I was like, what so are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but now it's come up with Bill Fernie. All right. I still think, I still think garbage. Like, I don't, <laughs> is this card is I don't good. know. I, I'm kind of in on great. Okay. Sounds good. Next up is You Cannot Pass. Single white for an instant, destroy target creature that blocked or was blocked by a legendary creature this turn. That's good, right? If you have enough legendaries. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going garbage. Well, I'll probably also go garbage. But can we also shout out the great videos that Watsi made with yeah. like all of the, the actors that were doing the stuff? Like the one where Elijah Wood was like, had the book and was like reading they were like preempting all the people freaking out that it was not you shall not pass and uh-huh. it's like it's right here it's in the book and then like the one where he tucked the ring into his pocket like yeah just that was very cool like, yeah. so good that was very very good yeah well and even in the movie he says it before like before the big yell of you shall not pass he does also say you cannot pass so it's there baby uh garbage on that card though next up reprieve this is Cube Pog. Mm-hmm. Reprieve, one on a white instant, return target spell to its owner's hand, draw a card. So it's just remand. Just remand. In white, this card is great. But is it great in limited? In non-cube? I yeah. still think it's great. Yeah, I do. I mean, th- so so the advantage for this card is just huge tempo. Huge tempo or just disrupting your opponent's plans and it cantrips. This card's great. The nice thing about this also is, you know, in the blue-white or in the white, you know, double spell, double draw matters. If you're countering, you know, an instant on your turn, you get that trigger. Otherwise, still replacing itself is great. I mean, I guess this has to be great, but I feel like this is going this is going to have so many constructed and, as you're saying, cube implications. I think that may like be pumping up people's perception of it. I agree. All right, folks, are you ready for the card that Ben thought was so obviously garbage? <laughs> I do think why this could is we, so obviously why garbage. Why could we possibly have to talk about this? It's stern scolding, single blue for an instant at uncommon, counter target creature spell with power or toughness, two or less. I've got one word for you that has a clear definition, Ben. Tempo. Tempo, baby. <laughs> I knew that was your word. I mean, this Maybe? is, I think this is just like, okay, so the kind of deck where this is good is a control deck. And this is your, you know, instead of you keep your opening hand that has shock as your thing that's going to disrupt your opponent's one, two, or three mana play, stern scolding is the thing you get to do with it. You're almost certainly going to gain a mana advantage. So that's the tempo part of it with this. And like, I understand tempo. Thank you. <laughs> That was not for you. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would not mansplain tempo to you. Just um, our audience. Just our, you know, just our dear sweet <laughs> listeners. I'm not helping my argument here, Ben. Um, no, but I think I feel you sweating, uh, feel yeah, you squirming. Yeah, really. Yeah, my air conditioning is off right now. But I think <laughs> mine also. <laughs> the things we do for you, listeners. Yeah, I think that I'll, you know. Not only are one, two, and three mana plays, so sometimes Bill the Pony is four mana for a one-four. Like, you're gonna get 
good, relevant things with this later in the game, and this is just great in your opener. Sorry, I bud. You, it's great. Sold, I think you've sold me. I'm sorry to say I this really card is great. I really so much. <laughs> I was so sure this card was unplayable. Oh, I think this is... I, it's funny because this looks like how many of these single blue counter-target enchantment spell, whatever, like that are literally garbage unplayables for limited, but I don't think this one is. Yeah, I'm sold. All right, I'm. you convinced me. I'm going great. That's beautiful. I, I, my sweating was not for uh, for not there. <laughs> All right, there we have it. I mean, I'm, I'm excited. We got, I'm sure, a ton more previews to be out tomorrow, um, but uh, a lot to digest here with the Lord of the Rings cards that are going to be coming at us this summer. Yeah, I'm excited to sling some Lord of the Rings characters. It's going to be cool. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think, you know, who knows how, you know, the, the depth of this set, but for, for once in my cold, dead heart life, I am excited about the flavor of this set. I also am as well. All right, on that note... Great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to CoolStuffInc.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over there, which we really hope that you do, please use code LOL at checkout to get a whopping 5% off anything you purchase over there. You can find all of our content on our website at lordsoflimited.com. You can find our merch over at TeePublic. You can find our tier lists, which will have a new one ready for you for Lord of the Rings cards. You can find our YouTube channel, our Twitch channels. Ben, this is the first time I get to announce that you can find me <laughs> at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Guess where you can find Ben? Twitch.tv slash Ben Warney. Ben Warney is spelled out. R.I.P. to Mr. Metronome. Ben is famous enough now to just go by his full name. Well, that's what it was originally. Honestly, everyone's all in a tizzy about this. I just, there was, everyone's like, why? What's the reason? Like, I just wanted to do it. I didn't put much thought into it. I was like, okay, I think I'm going to do this. Ran it by you. And you were like, I don't care. And so I did it. That, that was all there was to it. So yeah. twitch.tv slash Brown Warning. There it is. You love to see it. We're both under those. Are you under that same username on Twitter? I am not. <laughs> well, you got to make it consistent, buddy. So what am I supposed to say now? I'm under the same user, whatever, blah. I guess you're not tweeting at us anymore. Um, <laughs> what do we say then? And you can find us and the podcast on Twitter at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. See you later.